Hello. And hi. Andrew's going to do the intro today because I am tired. And I would do the intro anyway because you're going to be reading the chapter out loud. I'm Andrew. That's Ashton. (laughs) We are a podcast. That podcast is called (laughs) Romantic Underpinnings. This is episode 30. Okay, you made a face. I thought I should stop, but no, I should I'm, never stop. You tell me when you're ready for me to read. That's my contribution today. All right. The only way out is through. Um, exactly. This is a collaboratively written historical romance novel podcast. Ashton writes a chapter. I read it out loud for the first time in rough draft form to an adoring audience across the world and indeed probably galaxy. The next week, I write the next chapter in the book. Ashton reads it out loud in first draft form for the first time to an even bigger world, an even more adoring galaxy. And everyone adores us more and more as we alternate chapters. Mine, written from the perspective of the heroine of our novel, Agatha Van Horn, and hers, written from the perspective of the hero of the novel, Anthony. Last name, quite possibly Thatcher. <laughs> um, this historical novel takes place in the year 1690, a time of intrigue, a time of piracy, a time of war, a time of death, and more importantly than all, a time of love. Oh, that was really cheesy there at the end. It was exactly as cheesy as it needs to be. We are writing a novel of love. We are, huh? Love is the third main character, along with Anthony and Agatha. I see. I see how it is. You're also not talking very loud. Sorry, there's something in my eye. All right. Anyway. Uh, You know, someone getting something in her eye was like the precipitating moment (sighs) for one of the great romantic films of all time. Which one? Brief Encounter. I've never seen Brief Encounter. I don't think you'd like it. (laughs) Probably not. But um, if I recall correctly, it uses um, Rachmaninoff's second uh, piano concerto to great effect in the score. And um, it's just an incredibly stuffy British romance between two incredibly stuffy main characters who have deep, seething passions and great time. Brief encounter. That's the official Romantic Underpinnings Recommendation of the Week here in Recommendation Corner. (laughs) Anyway, our book covers the efforts of an aspiring merchant captain, Anthony, who has been impressed by the King of England to perform a dastardly act of piracy to further England's war with France before he can get his own lawful commission and begin his career in earnest. Agatha, our heroine, has joined Anthony's crew as a means of escaping her gilded cage in the court of King William II. I think it's William II. She I thought dressed- it was the third. It's probably, it is the third. <laughs> what? I'm right on one historical factoid over you? This is amazing. This should be a holiday. It should be written down. You're right. It's totally <gasps> William III. I double-checked. I nailed it. I'm amazing. Yeah, will it? What? 
<laughs> I'm not even sure I know which century William II reigned. That I do not know. Oh, God. Not long after William I, uh, who uh, reigned 1087 through 1100. So I was only, mm. you know. Way off. Yeah, about 600, 600 years 600 years. <laughs> it's almost 700 years. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, no. it's a solid Six, 600 years. 690. Yeah, 600 years to the day before our stuff takes place. King William II was on the throne, mm. doubtless ordering pirates to infiltrate the court of France, which is sort of a goofy thing to think of because um, I'm pretty sure the uh, that family of William the Conqueror ran a pretty decent portion of France as well at the time, but not the whole thing. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, Agatha dressed as a man, she got exposed, she's still a member of Anthony's crew, and she is occupying uh, an ever-increasingly dear portion of Anthony's heart. And they're in Paris. They're trying to infiltrate Paris and steal secrets, military secrets, to bring back to the king. So that the king can beat France in this war. I don't even remember who wins the war. I think it was just some sort of vaguely unsatisfying treaty in the end and not much changed. I agree. But anyway, the characters don't know that. They're trying very hard. They're trying their best. And we should give them a break. The crew, along with Anthony and Agatha, <laughs> isn't very good at their jobs. That's the only other thing I have to mention. <laughs> Are you sure? Do you want to go step by step with the last 30 chapters? 29 chapters? I'm done. Are you sure? This is the longest intro we've had in months. It's six minutes. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. How did that happen? Anyway. Because I let you do it. And you haven't even talked about our socials, which is the part I actually well, wanted to that was that was I was <laughs> getting to that. Oh, yeah? Now, yeah, you said that all you were going to do was read. Which, That's which true. I thought I could freestyle. And also, if I cut you out... You can oh. freestyle, but it is... <laughs> if, if on the very unlikely chance that I find any potential fat that can be cut out, you've given it all away by saying six minutes. Because when you said it's been six minutes, it might only be like four and a half minutes. I mean, that's still like maybe the longest intro we've had in weeks. <laughs> hey, you know, I take my job seriously. I don't half-ass anything. No, I know. Except for this chapter that you're about to write. Or getting any getting it done on time. Just you wait. Are you going to tell them where to find us? Oh, oh. Am I totally blanked? I was like, something needs to be happening. That something, dear listeners, is that you can find out more about our podcast at our website, romanticunderpinnings.com. You can find us on Twitter at romunderpod. You can find us on Instagram at romanticunderpinnings. You can email Hello at romanticunderpinnings.com. If that's not enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. I think that is all the admin. All right. Shall I commence reading? You should. All right. <clears throat> Chapter 30. Reunited for the first time since they arrived in Paris, the crew sat around the table in Madame Aloise's card room. They allowed themselves a cursory amount of sleep since, since the previous night's adventure and afternoon... What? 
An afternoon light dwaddled through a lone cloudy window. What? Doddled through a lone cloudy window. Okay, that's not the part I'm confused about. Previous nights. Oh, an afternoon light dwaddled. Dwaddled? Doddled. (laughs) And the A is before the W. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Oh, my Lance. Okay. Anthony, sorry, through a lone cloudy window, Anthony steepled his fingers, furrowed his brow, and began speaking. Men, I can't pretend that everything has gone according to plan, but men, Agatha interrupted, I'm sorry, but that ship sailed long ago. Pardon the expression. Sorry, Agatha, force of habit. Crew, I can't pretend that everything, sir, Charlie interrupted, I'm sorry, sir. But I can't pay attention in this room. Why is everything red and gold? Agatha couldn't help but giggle when Charlie pointed out the incongruity between Anthony's business-like demeanor and their plush surroundings. The chairs were all overstuffed red velvet with unconvincing gilt legs, and at the center of the table sat a ceramic vase in the form of a nude woman with purple irises sprouting from her head. Erotic paintings adorned the walls, representing any imaginable... Configuration. Configuration. What is it? Yeah, conf- any imaginable configuration. Of human coupling, usually set among classical ruins. It indeed proved difficult to pay attention to Anthony while a painting of a sitar bending a foppish gentleman. Is that. Is that what is that? Well. It would be very difficult for the classical Indian instrument, the sitar. I know, but what is the word? Satyr. Oh, what's a satyr? Satyr is one of those, like, sort of goat men from, like, oh, Greek yeah, yeah. Okay. myths and paintings and stuff. Bending a foppish gentleman over a toppled column screamed from the wall behind his head. Um, where do irises come from? I have no idea. I just... Would they have had irises in 1690 England? I just Googled, uh, like, bouquet flowers, and I thought irises would be very evocative. They are, because of the shape. But, like, now I need to know the herbology. Is herbology a word, or did I just steal it from Harry Potter? It's probably a word. Uh, anyway, now I need to know when irises came to places and or where they're native to. Well, it takes its name from the Greek word for rainbow, which is promising, but let's see. Yeah, tell me. Ah, nearly all species are found in temperate northern hemisphere zones from Europe to Asia and across America. All right, cool. Oh, okay. I I just assumed they were like more tropical stolen plant, but I'm obviously wrong, which is Well, yeah, they're often, there is predominantly found in dry, semi-desert, or colder, rocky, mountainous areas, such as the, you know, Alps. There's even some sort of almost a little bit deserty areas in like southwestern France as well. So who the hell knew? Lots of irises around. I guess yeah. If I really wanted to go French, I think it would have been um, crap. There's a a flower that's a really big deal in the south of France, and I'm forgetting it right now. So I'll just cut this out. Anyway, unless you remember, you can dump it in later. Unlikely, but possible. Crew, Anthony started again. I know that our current surroundings aren't necessarily conducive to strategy and that not everything has... I must object, Lobo interrupted. If this room were a bad place to strategize, then why would we have such a variety of French gentlemen's clothing available to us? It appears that Madame Eloise and her associates do a great job fleecing their customers, and with all apparent impunity, 
We shouldn't denigrate. Den, den, denigrate, yeah. Oh, the methods and capacity of our generous host. Generous host. I don't even know what I'm reading. Okay. <laughs> Anthony slammed a fist on the table. Not only did the vase topple over, but the lacquered, lacquered, <laughs> cherry wood dildo, but a lacquered cherry wood dildo fell from a high shelf and hit Dunley on the head. Anthony kept his eyes riveted ahead as the rest of the crew. <laughs> uh, why? This chapter is off to a rip roaring start. <laughs> Turned to look at Dunley or the fallen accessory. He spoke with barely controlled rage. Crew, men, woman, brothel denizens, and insubordinate scoundrels. <laughs> Please do me the courtesy of listening for a moment, if only because I pay your salary, and perhaps you'll all be regarded as traitors to the crown if I leave you here to rot. We're in an unfamiliar land with unfamiliar customs, but we can't lose sight of our duty to the English crown, and we must pursue this duty regardless of any surrounding distractions, up to including tumbling phalluses. If we goggle like schoolboys at every pornographic painting we encounter, we won't even be able to make our way around the city, much less bring back secrets. Do I make myself clear? Well, that was quite the monologue. Yeah, he needed to exercise his iron control over his subordinates. Iron control. He's in control. Is he? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yes, sir. Agatha tried her best to raise her voice and jump in before anyone else in the crew could make any snide comments. With their current situation held, while their current situation held plenty of absurdity, it didn't make sense to completely lose the plot. LOL. Thank you, Agatha, Anthony said. I've decided that you must speak for the rest of the crew. Is that all right, crew? A muted chorus of mumbles burbled from the perimeter of the table. What? Nothing. Oh. That's a terrible phrase. You, like, looked at me like I'd read it. No, no, you read it correctly, and it just sounds bad because nobody should put the words... Nobody should talk about how mumbles burble. I sort of like it. Why not? I mean, it's... It's got some fun in her alliteration. Yeah, it's whatever. it's just it's clumsy, but possibly clumsy Murmur, in a way. Murmur. It might be clumsy in a way that works, like a camel. Anyway, that's right. Anthony continued, and I'm glad you recognize, like Ath Agatha, that I have the situation under control, and that my plan will carry us through this spot of danger and uncertainty until we're back in England, covered in glory. Wow, capitalized glory. I don't. I don't know why I did that. I was feeling it. Feeling it. That said, I'd like to confer with Agatha on the finer details of my plan before we put it into motion. Please stay put and feel free to eat some of the pears. Pears? There's pears there. I didn't mention it earlier, but I feel like there would probably be a bowl of pears. But like her, again, would pears been have available? Oh, pears were absolutely okay. available. Pears, like pears have been in England at least for many centuries, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no. They hang out with apples. And actually, there's a type of pear, the Danjou pear, which is named after a region in France, oh. which I assume it grows in. Ag Anthony got up, walked to the door, and beckoned. So he just did all that and didn't have a plan? Well, he sort of had a plan. You'll see what his plan is. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, walked to the door and beckoned Agatha after him. In a moment, they found themselves in a nearby bedroom. Seriously. Of course. 
There was nowhere to sit except for a huge canopied bed that took up most of the room. Agatha stood facing the bed for a moment, bounced on his heels a couple of times, and then pulled the curtain aside to expose a stretch of mattress. That was uh, Anthony, by the way. You said Agatha stood. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Anyway, I'm having, we got like, it. more trouble than normal reading, but anyway. I think it's just because I'm tired. You're fucking nailing it. You should keep going. <sighs> okay. He sat down gingerly and then hesitated. Ah! Sorry, I don't know what I did. Ah! You scrolled way down. I can I see where your cursor went in the document. I don't know. It's what's happening. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, bananas. Sorry, everyone. Okay. Then pulled a curtain aside to expose a stretch of mattress. He sat down gingerly and then hesitated a moment before patting the sheet next to his thigh. Agatha gathered her skirts, realized there was nothing to gather due to the fact that she was wearing pants, and then perched next to Anthony, precariously close to the edge of the bed. The room contained some potpourri from which much was expected. Agatha focused on the smell, which she could almost reach out and touch. So, Agatha, I brought you into this bedroom. I mean, I uh, arranged this private meeting. I mean, I'm consulting with you because I hope you can enlighten me as to what my plan is. Yeah, his plan was to ask Agatha for a plan. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But still. He was <laughs> he was engaging in some bravado in front of the crew as all. Well. I mean, I got I gathered all that. Yeah. Because she's the brains of the operation? Is that what you're trying to say? Ergo, you? The only brain. Ergo, you're the only brain? Um, I'm not Agatha. You sometimes (laughs) write smart stuff that Agatha does in Anthony's chapters. I always write smart stuff that Agatha does. So, so see, that's... Because I'm Agatha. Well, yeah, so we're both... (laughs) Whoever's writing Agatha at the moment is the brains of the operation. Oh, shit. And you also write Anthony as a bit of a dullard. Oh, absolutely. So it's, like, sort of consistent. Are you proud of yourself for this? Yeah, we're both the brains. No, I mean for this chapter right now, for this little... I'm pretty proud of myself, actually. (laughs) I I know! I sort of think it's good. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you sort of think it's good. (laughs) Like, why isn't it just good? I, I think... It is smart. I mean, they're, they're, well, well, every just, plan he's made has been trash. Yeah. Well, so. let's just see if I stick the landing. Oh, I'm sure you do, honey. All right. Agatha felt happy, happy that he actively, <laughs> actively solicited her plan instead of just waiting for her to point out the flaws in his. But she didn't like the idea that the plan would apparently become his as soon as she thought of it. She thought about telling Anthony to shove it unless he was prepared to give her full credit until it occurred to her that the crew would know it was her plan anyway. Would know it was, yeah. It, if feeling like a captain would comfort Anthony during this stressful time, she figured that she could offer this comfort while still helping the mission. If only she didn't so much enjoy the feeling of his thigh against hers. Anthony, we need to infiltrate one of these parties that Trotter attends and turn the tables on him. He was happy to take you hostage for the benefit of his French associates, but if we can take Trotter hostage, I suspect we can bend his loyalties without too much trouble. You think Englishmen, you Englishmen think nothing but, think of nothing but honor, right? And remove the hand he'd been, that he'd just perched on Agatha's thigh. 
That's right, Agatha, but how can we get in? And how can we lure Trotter out of the party so we can capture him? I don't think the French aristocrats and military leaders would let us carry him out of a palace hogtied, and if they did, they might suspect that Trotter has been compromised. No shit. We can't arouse French suspicion if we want Trotter to turn to our side. Agatha pondered this for a moment. The thought of snatching Trotter and having him at her mercy sounded appealing, especially after what he'd done to Anthony, not to mention her own near capture at the hands of his goons. But Anthony had a point for once. An idea began to form. We both know how brazen Trotter is with his Englishness, flaunting the fact that the French need him. They must already have some suspicions or at least some resentment. We need to show up at the party and pose as hapless English spies who are plotting with him against France. We just need to show that we know him and act in such a way as to arouse as much suspicion as possible. Trotter enjoys the easy life of a traitor, and he might turn traitor once again if we promise to go away and leave him in peace. Go away? gasped Anthony. You want us to allow Trotter to stay in France rather than face the king's justice? Agatha shrugged. If he helps the king in this war, the lives saved may more than counteract the lack of justice for one criminal. I can see your point, but what about the degree of deceit required <laughs> by your plan? Our crew would have to pretend to be incompetent, oblivious, and almost unbelievably short-sighted. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> you're quite proud of yourself for this, aren't you? This is classic farce stuff. <laughs> I wanted to be a little farcical this chapter. I do. Farcical. I do have a question, though, about the injuries they sustained during their escape. Are we just ignoring them completely? Oh, shit. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, Whatever we are. cracking happened, dear listeners. Oh, I did forget that. There was some injury in the last chapter. I was too swept up in the moment, and they were sort of ignoring it at the time, but that was purely because of adrenaline. And right. someone is clearly has woken up with an owie that I'm ignoring, but we can write that in. <laughs> an owie. There's I mean, an owie. You can also remove it from mine. It just raises the stakes a little bit. No, I, I like it. I think I think that uh, we can definitely work it into subsequent chapters. You can decide who has an owie and where. Please stop. Okay. <laughs> Agatha didn't want to get up, but she knew the crew was waiting, and she knew she had a chance to prove that her plan was a good one. She got to her feet, faced Anthony, and reached both her hands out. He took them with reluctance and didn't offer much help as she pulled him up. Once Anthony stood, Agatha drew him into a tight embrace. She stood on the tips of her toes but was still too far from his ear. She placed her hands on his shoulder and then jumped up, wrapping her legs around his waist before she could drop down. The only gentlemanly thing for Anthony to do was to reach under her bottom to support her. Agatha felt suddenly weightless with her own torso swaying like a lazy palm against his heaving chest. She craned her neck close to his ear and whispered, Just trust me, you beautiful, you beautiful idiot. Can't you trust me? Uh, Anthony swayed slightly but kept his balance and his grip firm. I can trust you. I can distrust you. Just tell me, Agatha. Tell me what you need. I don't get that I can distrust you. Oh, like, I'll do whatever you want at this point. I see. Agatha gave him a peck on the cheek before winching herself out of his hands and back to the ground. Winching? 
Well, I was thinking wrenching? like no, I was thinking winching like she like used her arms around her neck to like pull herself up so that she could get out from his hands and then drop back down. Wow, I don't she think just did you a winching actually motion. do that though in real life. Let's practice it after this <laughs> recording session and we'll give the listeners a full report. All right. Follow me to the card room. When they returned, they saw that the men had been joining the trunks of pearlined clothes. Dunley strutted around in a pair of lace garters under a bronze, sorry, a polished bronze curious. It's what? actually pronounced like queer ass or something. What is it? It's like a, it's like an old fashioned type of like chest armor. Oh, all topped by a powdered wig that reached almost to the ceiling and had wooden carvings of fruit strewn without. Charlie and Jack fenced with broad-headed wooden paddles, each holding a dildo sideways between their teeth like pirates' daggers. Lobo leafed slowly through the book of pornographic woodcuts, occasionally taking notes with a decorative quill that he'd found somewhere. Half the chairs had been knocked over and one of them smashed. Dunley gave an elaborate bow when he noticed Anthony and Agatha. The sound of ripping fabric accompanied his gesture. Anthony turned to Agatha, beaming. I see what you mean. I have no more objections. Your plan is perfect. He turned again to face the crew at large. Listen up, men. Agatha has a plan. Beautiful, honey. End Lovely. of chapter. Lovely chapter you hath doth brought us. And you hath wrought. Yeah, and now you us. can... Yeah, I mean, yours... I mean, you can take it wherever you want, but you have lots of opportunity for slapstick mayhem. I do. I don't think I'm quite as good at writing slapstick mayhem as you are, though. I don't think you like it as much I as I do. I don't like it as much as that's also <laughs> true. Yeah. I like my humor to be a little smarter. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm always... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think anything's funny unless, like, a piano has dropped on someone and then, like, piano keys <sighs> become the person's teeth. Right. Anyway... There's some, like, verbal stuff as well. It's okay. It'll be a good exercise for me. Yeah. And also, I think we're reaching, you know, this could really be a, you know, I think this rockets us toward the climax of our plot. And as much as the uh, uh, legion of listeners may be crestfallen to hear us, it brings us closer to the end of season one and the end of this amazing novel that we've been collaborating on. I do think they could also, couldn't they just like actually kidnap Trotter and bring him back to the king and be like, here, we've caught you a deserter. They could. Yeah. I mean, that totally works. A traitor, a spy or whatever. Yeah. Like as long as they can like get him out of Paris and he doesn't take like, they probably have trouble kidnapping him from a big party as Anthony mentioned, but he they could kidnap him from a bathhouse, for instance, which we know he frequents. So yeah, like, you know, and. If if so, if a better opportunity emerges besides Agatha's plan, you can absolutely take that opportunity. I mean, you're the one. I have passed the 1690 Paris baton to you, and you could just like investigate the whole city and see what's up and see what That's our characters true. are I up mean, to yeah, and report but you back. Did give a nice, easy like layout thing, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, it's maybe not the very, very, very best plan, but it's good. It's. It's ripe for high jinks. Mm. And I like my jinx high, as you know. I do. Is there... Can't wait to make them sneak, snunk, snunk around. Your favorite thing. Oh, 
I'll deal. Yeah, you can make it as suspenseful as you want. I think I find that easier to deal with in books than in TV. Well, yeah, I know, but still. <sighs> okay, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> you should tune in next week to hear me reckon with the huge mistake that I've made because mm. I hate hate when characters in books and TV and stuff are sneaking around and about to get caught and like rifling through a filing cabinet. Anyway, the worst, yeah, it's like everyone is always like breaking into schools and looking through students' records and stuff. It's true. Or breaking into law firms. Anyway, it's all bad. No schools and no law firms. That's what you have to <laughs> promise me for the next episode. I don't know if I can. What about a hospital? Ooh, hospital. Oh, those are the worst. Yeah, hospital. No, we well, at least this was before HIPAA, so, you know. That's true. We won't be breaking quite as many laws breaking into a French hospital, but it's still not very but nice. But at least, well, I guess they probably had solicitors in schools, but, like, I don't know how many records they would have been keeping. Mm, I don't know either, but, I mean, there was there was a decent bureaucratic state built up in France at the time. Mm. And, you know, there there was, I think, um, there were quite a few lawyers, at least in Paris. Paris was, like, a pretty big lawyer city, if I mm. recall correctly. Interesting. Yeah, well, they love wigs, so it's you true. have to have a lot of lawyers just to prop up the wig industry. It's true. Except in the U.S., where lawyers suck and should all be made to wear wigs. <laughs> anyway, I think we're veering slightly, or I am veering slightly, from the topic of our podcast. Is there anything else we need to tell the listeners before we sign off for the week? No, I don't think so. Well, the listeners will just have to wait until next week, then, and listen to the next episode of romantic underpinnings languidly yours